This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Alice Green. As the founder and executive director of the Center for Law and Justice in Albany, she understands that structural racism affects not just our criminal justice system, but everything from our schools to our health care system. Seven years ago, Green wrote a paper, Pathway to Change. In it, she details the decades of racial tensions between the Albany Police Department and the community it serves. She continues to work for change, and currently the center's website features responses from Albany leaders to the center's recommendations. Is there anything valuable you think we can learn as a society from the kind of uproar that we've been seeing here in Albany and all around the country? What What is it? What is it telling us? Yeah. Uh, Certainly the incident that happened in Minneapolis with the uh, killing of George uh, Floyd is an image that I think has um, grasped the attention and the uh, uh, feeling of people around the world. We see people... In, in England and other countries, uh, looking at that and saying, you know, what are we doing to each other? Uh, this is something terrible that should not happen. African Americans have been experiencing this for a very long time. Uh, police uh, relations got started in a very negative way during the period of enslavement, and police were used to control and dehumanize black people. And it's happened throughout the ages, through even the Reconstruction period, the Jim Crow era, uh, the uh, uh, Civil Rights Movement, the new Jim Crow era. And some are asking, you know, have we come very far at all in terms of uh, providing justice and equity to uh, people of color? So I think people have started to ask that question as a result of this image of uh, George Lloyd being, uh, the life being choked out of him. It's come to symbolize what African Americans uh, have felt uh, and and the way they've been treated throughout the years. The the whole symbol of having a knee uh, put in a place that chokes off the very life and the the air and very life of someone is uh is amazingly uh touching to so many people so i think the first thing is caused us to really think to feel about uh, uh other people and what policing and an unequal treatment really means in very graphic terms so i think that's very very positive um the thing that happened this uh, Saturday, uh, I, I was there uh, at the uh, the evening demonstration when uh, things went bad. <laughs> and but um, I think people have to understand uh, why some people reacted and responded the way they they did. Some people call it rioting. Um, from our perspective, it's not. 
it's actually uh, an up. It was an uprising because people went beyond what has happened with in, in Minnesota. Uh, they went beyond that and they they connected and understood um, what it meant to be, uh, you know, one of the groups in this country that has been has suffered so much and. So people there at that demonstration, really, some of them uh, felt that they had to to do some other things than what we'd have liked them to have done. Uh, certainly, we don't don't violence, but what what they were saying is we need to be heard. Um, and so often they've not been heard, and so I think it, it you know it went beyond as I said what happened in Minneapolis. It, it uh, for them, it was an opportunity to be heard, to express their anger, their their distrust, you know, um, and so it, um, we need to hear that. And if we hear that, it will allow us as a community to start thinking about how do we treat people differently, how do we get beyond white supremacy, how do we uh, get to understand and deal with uh, systemic racism that's present in all of our institutions, not only the criminal justice system, but education uh, and public schools in some of, in some of our cities. Uh, they get far less money to uh, support the schools than they do in others. Some, some uh, schools are wealthier, much wealthier than others. They're able to afford and supplies for young people. Uh, it, it's, it, there's inequities in uh, the health care. And I think the, the virus has shown us uh, what happens when people uh, are, do not have access to good health care. They're much more vulnerable and much more likely to um, uh, be harmed by uh, something like a, a virus. So, um, you know, so we have to look at the employment as another great inequity. Um, so it's forcing us to look at what's going on in our society differently. And the Center for Law and Justice is really pushing for um, community uh, local and local officials to uh, help get that message across and to be actively involved in learning more about systemic racism and acting to reduce it in all of those institutions. So, but as I said, our focus has been on criminal justice at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, I looked up a report that you produced in 2013, and it was just after Florida jury had acquitted uh, George Zimmerman from having oh. murdered Trayvon Martin. Right. And, you know, that seemed too like it was going to be a turning point in the nation. That seemed too like, how, how could that be? And this report I just found remarkable because of the way it resonates today. But here it is seven years later. Um, you know, you went all the way back in this report, 
as you well know, to uh, a killing I hadn't been aware of in Albany that you thought was kind of the start of the seed of distrust. Um, and then built it out forward with these recommendations, just as you're saying now, that locally could make a difference. And um, I'm just wondering if those recommendations still hold or if if they they you tried them and they failed and what could be done differently this time with things like community policing or you know some of those other initiatives that you recommended seven years ago right well that was our uh, 2013 report but we have done we did a report in 2019 okay <laughs> I, I didn't get that one what was the, this was the survey of people yeah, we did a survey yeah. in 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 Albany, uh, and trying to uh, find out from people how they felt about the police department, um, and the district attorney's office, law enforcement in general, and uh, trying to see what they thought the, the you know the the core of the problem was, mm-hmm. and it was them. It was racism, it, and we're talking about not individual race, personal individual racism but how a system is constructed so that it operates to uh, disadvantage uh, and treat certain people differently. And we see that very clearly uh, in the criminal justice system. Blacks are more likely to be arrested, they're more likely to be prosecuted, uh, they're more likely to be incarcerated, you know, all, and based on stereotypes in, uh, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our society, we have come to believe that blacks are uh, inherently criminal, that uh, they uh, are violent. You know, and that's a stereotype. <laughs> and so people get treated according to that stereotype within the criminal justice system. So, uh, and there are many, many examples of what systemic racism looks like, but I don't think people understand that. They're so used to thinking about racism as being an individual act, calling someone a, a you know uh, a name or uh, an individual discrimination against someone. That those might be horrible things, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about institutions that that uh, operate uh, in a way that uh, treats certain people differently, you know, and so. Uh, that's what, that's what we're trying to So it's, with the report we did last year, um, uh, which was based on the survey, and when we asked people what, how they felt, uh, we th- there were three major findings that we came away with. One was that the community did distrust its police department. They did distrust the district attorney. Um, they were angered and continue to be angry about uh, police brutality that took place these are Pacific incidents that took place on First Street in Albany, where police came in, knocked uh, uh, someone's door down, beat them, took them out and beat them. Uh, it was on camcorder. <laughs> it was recorded. Uh, and then the other thing was the shooting of Elazar Williams, the young man, 19-year-old young man, who was shot in the back by uh, a police detective in the Albany Police Department. Uh, and... Uh, Elazar Williams is is paralyzed. Um, so the community was outraged by that. And so uh, 
we took that information. There were other other uh, uh, findings in the in the report, but we took that information. We made sure that uh, our key officials had that information, had the report, and wanted them to respond. It also included recommendations of things that we could do uh, to make some some change in our in our community. For instance. Uh, we've we've requested that the department become more transparent. That we want we need to know uh, what's going on in our police department. We need to know the police officers who uh, uh, who have all these complaints lodged against them. Just as it was in Minnesota, the man who uh, killed um, uh, George Floyd had 18 complaints against him for brutality and other offenses. But the community did not know that because we don't give out that information. So what the center did was recommend that in New York State, where 50A, the Civil Rights Law 50A, basically protects that information from the public. And uh, so, you know, we wanted to get information about, we wanted to see camcorders uh, recordings, which we help develop those policies, and when something happens, I want to have access to uh, those videos so I know what happened. And that's the way we thought it was going to happen, but it's not happening that way. So those are some like the transparency things. But we had, we had I think, about 19 recommendations for change. Um, the powers that be did uh, dismiss our report to a great extent because, uh, you know, th- Obviously, they didn't want to deal with those issues that we were we were proposing. Um, so, really frustrated by that and unable to get the uh, you know the chief and the mayor and the district attorney and others to really talk about that that distrust. So we were surprised with what happened on Saturday here in Albany. So, but anyways, what we did was to do a second report. Uh, all of these are on my website, by the way. CFLJ.org. Mm-hmm. The, the second report basically uh, asked uh, four uh, key leaders, the chief, the district attorney, the mayor, and head of the Common Council, to respond to a series of questions. We wanted to know how they, what their thinking was, what their feelings were about certain issues. And so we've been giving them a list of questions every other week. Um, and getting them to respond and then publishing those responses so the public can see, you know, uh, what they're thinking about, you know, uh, what they're not willing to do. You know, like we ask for things like policies, you know, what is, is your uh, use of force policy? Uh, unfortunately, we, we did get the, the, the policy, but a lot of it was redacted, and so we don't know why, so so that that's a, that's another problem. But uh, but the point is, we've been asking them consistently to give us their thoughts and their uh, policies, uh, you know, uh, on certain issues. Uh, we've asked for them to uh, do a racial impact statement on certain policies. So those are the kind of things we're doing. So what we were doing all this so that we collect this data uh, over a year's period, and uh, after this summer, we will um, present in the fall 
a symposium designed to look at, define, and look at and define um, structural racism. What is it? How do we know what it is? What can we do about it? And also community policing. The department uh, still claims that it does community policing and does it better than it ever has. We don't believe that. So uh, we've got to talk about those kinds of things and come up with some solid recommendations and plan of action so that we can start dealing with the, the structural racism that we see uh, particularly in our law enforcement system. So that's, that's sort of where we're at. We have a number, as I said, we have a number of recommendations. We were uh, really uh, interested to see that Governor Cuomo uh, presented some uh, possible uh, plan, a possible plan of action. And, uh, and I just want to note that I think some of the things he said, I don't know how many he put down, but anyway, uh, we had our, those are part of our recommendations. We had asked for those very things. We asked for, um, uh, you know, changes in uh, Civil Rights Law 50A, which allows police to, uh, you know, to, to keep secret mm -hmm. the, uh, the disciplinary records of police officers. So we're saying they shouldn't do that. It's an issue of transparency. Uh, also, uh, the, the governor said that, you know, the, that uh, the police department and, and also the DA's office really um, can't uh, police themselves. Police departments can't police themselves. And a district attorney probably should not be uh, handling certain cases around uh, uh, use of force uh, and representing a client and uh, uh, someone who is charged with a crime uh, at the same time. That's a real conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. So so the governor said, the, and the governor also is, keeps talking about, and he's done it for the last several days, talked about the system, uh, systemic racism. Uh, he's saying that that's one of the problems that we see with the, the virus is that uh, people have, people of color especially have not had access to good services like health care and that's why they're more vulnerable to uh, the the virus so he keeps talking about systemic racism and um, the um, he's also talking about develop we should develop a national standard uh, use of force you know how much force is too much and and is it dangerous and damaging to use certain kinds of uh, uh, the uh, you know uh, restraining uh, uh, paraphernalia or or uh, actions and so we're going to be looking at that a little closer. We work with the Albany Medical College. We're going to try to get them to help us with that particular project to look at the kinds of things that police departments do. You know, do you put your knee on somebody's neck? Uh, for eight minutes, do you do choke hold? And and when people say I can't breathe, do you continue? Because uh, some of their policies say that uh, as long as a, a person is talking, they're not in their life is not in danger. But obviously, it can be. We just seen that mm -hmm. happen. So there, you know, um, there are all of these kinds of things that uh, the governor has uh, is calling for change, but. 
he's calling for some of the same things that we have already called for uh, in our report. So it interests me that you said you were surprised by what happened on Saturday. Why, why did that surprise you? I wasn't surprised. Oh, I thought I'm you saying, said... I'm saying that the, uh, uh, the mayor and the police chief ex- expressed surprise. Oh, yes, indeed, they did. Yes, they certainly did. And they also claimed that they were doing community policing. So I'd love to hear from you. What is real community policing? What would be different? What would be better? Yeah. Well, uh, what we've done, and we've been working on this issue for a long time. Uh, By the way, the center is, this is our 35th year of operation. So we've been through everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, uh, we have always taken a position that community policing refers to the development of a collaborative working relationship between the community and the police department. The police police department is seen as an integral part of the community. And from that position, we identify uh, problems in the community and we work on developing solutions to those problems so that the whole community is safe. So um, it's not the police working on their own, doing developing policies I don't know about. Uh, you know, it's, it's really uh, that equal partnership that we're talking about. I take the position that that's my department, that's my police department. Uh, you know, I pay taxes, it's my police department. And uh, I want to make sure it functions uh, as well as it can to protect me and my community. So uh, we start from that particular uh, perspective, and then we try to, uh, you know, so if you come from that perspective, transparency is, 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 is something that has to happen uh, because it's my department. I want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you don't give me information that I've asked you for, when you don't give me uh, the uh uh, cam, the uh, body cam uh, footage that I'm looking to look at, that I want to see and, and, and make some decisions about. Uh, when you don't tell me that you got police officers uh, who've been disciplined 18 times and, I, and they're walking the streets in my community, I want to know that. Mm-hmm. So, so we start from that you know, perspective that we need to be doing this together. I need to. I need to have some control over my police department, and so the police department should not be seen as the uh, the uh, uh, you know highest authority in the land. <laughs> uh, we it's our department. We work together on it. So that's what we're talking about. When we talk about community policing. So we're go- we're going to try to um, make sure that we. Um, are able to pull all of this together that I've been talking about, all the, all the responses that we get from officials. Uh, we're asking community people to comment on what each of these people is saying. Um, and, you know, feel free to disagree or agree or uh, come up with other kinds of solutions. So, uh, so we're reporting people to our website so they can go in and they can, they can see how each one of those officials responded to certain questions that we posed to them.
Well, one of the things I noticed in the both the county and the city press conference yesterday was um, they drew a distinction between the protests in the afternoon and what happened at nighttime, and were even alleging the sheriff Apple as well as uh, police chief Hawkins that. Um, what they called the rioting, and I understand that you don't, um, was caused by outsiders. It wouldn't be okay. from Albany. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, see, I don't think they they know that. I, I was uh, <laughs> that was one uh, thing that really bothered me a lot was the police chief who had said a couple of days earlier that the relationship between the community and the police department is excellent. And that they, you know, they're experiencing a, a, a really strong relationship, um, and and he is the one who um, dismissed the center's uh, study, the survey. Uh, he based his his information on anecdotes, and he wouldn't even elaborate on that. I mean, what, did he hear from one person, two people? We don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he, he dismissed our survey, which had 250 responses that, uh, in terms of questionnaire with lots of questions. So we had a better sense of what the community was feeling. But that's another way of dismissing uh, the uh, reality of structural racism, the existence of structural racism. Because if you, you know, what he was saying was, you know, people in the community are happy. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they, they would, they, they, they're not going to, uh, they're not going to cause any problems and and, and protest against the police because they're happy. It had to come from somewhere else. Now, I'm sure there were people who were not part of the Albany community that that was there. It was a march to gather all people uh, together to, uh, and with many of them starting out protesting what had happened in Minneapolis, but many of the people who were there in the after, in the late afternoon and evening were people from the community, and I mean, I was there, uh, and people were saying things like, you know, I'm really angry with my police department here, uh, and, you know, I'm afraid uh, of them, uh, and they were identifying with terrible things, with some, uh, or, or relating some of the terrible experiences that they had had, or someone in their family had had, uh, from uh, the uh, from police officers. So it, uh, you know, I, as I said, I, I'm sure there were some people from outside, but that was not the issue. The issue was that there were lots of people from the community who were voicing opposition to the way they're treated by the police department, and uh, the chief wasn't there. Uh, right. Uh, I was there. But the chief was not there. The mayor was not there. So uh, they can't tell me about, you know, uh, that uh, they're relying uh, their whole, <laughs> uh, they're relying on uh, anecdotal data from somewhere that I don't know where they got it from. Um, so, but I, I think that's just another way to escape talking about um, uh, systemic racism, uh, structural racism because you you change the subject <laughs> and we want them to stay focused uh on what we're doing in terms of trying to um 
you know, get the community to understand and and be involved in efforts to reduce the systemic and structural racism. So when you were there, tell me what that was like. I mean, you were in the midst of people that you probably knew. Um, what what did it feel like? Were you feeling angry yourself? Were you how how did it feel? Well, yeah, I, I think most people. Well, I shouldn't say most, but uh, I think many many people who witnessed the video of uh, George uh, uh, Floyd being. Uh, the life being taken out of him, uh, were angry. I mean, I was angry. Yeah. Um, but people who are angry, uh, able, you know, show their anger in different ways. Uh, some people have more control over it. Uh, others don't know how to. Others have had different kinds of experiences, and, you know, they feel that they have to explode. Uh, there are people who, uh, after a while, feel totally... Uh, uh, powerless and uh, you know have no hope left in them that change is going to come they're going to they react differently uh, and I'm not saying I, that I condone violence but I understand it and uh, we should understand what that that violence uh, means and uh, not to just say it's a, it was a violent event or somebody you know, did something that they should be prosecuted for and all of that. Um, that's not really addressing the real issue. So what uh, does the violence mean? What what does it mean? I mean, I watched that video too. I'm a white person and I just felt sick, but I felt guilty <laughs> because, you know, if you're born white, you feel like you're part of the problem. <laughs> but what, what, what does the violence mean, and what should we do? Well, first of all, we should understand that America has a very long history of violence. And, not, and I'm not talking about poor people or people of color. We have to understand that the, the violence has been used in this country so long and used against people of color, uh, starting with in period of enslavement, uh, right straight on through. Uh, we've experienced... Uh, uh, you know, Ku Klux Klan and police violence and uh, all kinds of things have happened to black people uh, because of white supremacy and, and uh, white people being in control and in power. Uh, whiteness is uh, is a capital. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, uh, uh, it, it's something that gets you uh, what you want and need. Uh, and so you might see the world very different. You want to hold on to that power. You want to hold on to that position of superiority that you think you have. So uh, violence is not new. <laughs> this country, uh, the Wild West, was violence. You know, so violence has been with us, and it'll probably be with us for a long period of time. So um, all of a sudden, you know, we're making this... Uh, this moral decision that people who react to what is uh, uh, frightening and uh, fearful for them uh, by lashing out as something new and horrible. Uh, and I'm not, as again, I'm saying I don't want, I don't like to see people hurt. I don't like to see people lose uh, their their property. But um, I also understand that people experience 
life very differently. And certainly uh, poor people, people of color, experience life very differently. And when you have no sense of hope, you're not part of that system, you don't see yourself as being part of that system, uh, you have no power, uh, you know, you, you, if you uh, tomorrow woke up and were different, you'd probably respond to uh, what you see and what you feel very differently. You know? No, I do. Uh, I believe you. And you've mentioned that word hope again. And I'd just like to explore that because one of the things I thought was so powerful in this 2013 paper, um, you know, after the um, Martin uh, incident death, you said in this meeting, you described it on a hot night in the library, and you said that there was a sense of hope in the room, which surprised me, you know, um, that, you know, people were going to perhaps try to change things and work together. And that's why I felt so kind of depressed reading it, because, yeah, right. um, you know, what, what, what gives well, people hope? What, what makes us change because we have changed some things as a society in terms of like gay and lesbian rights or um right there's been there have been changes i'm not denying there have been changes yeah uh we still have not we still don't have the kind of power that white people have okay uh, because uh uh we're at it, it people see us very differently um there have been articles recently about that whole issue. I don't know if you were, uh, if you remember what happened in uh, New York City. I think it was Central Park. The other last week, was a black man was asked a woman to yeah. um, uh, leash her dog. <laughs> right. Um, right. And she, she called the police. Yes, I did read and that. She, yes. She says, "I'm going to call the police and report that this black man is uh, abusing her in some way." Mm-hmm. I, you know. Now, <laughs> she was able to do that because she knows she would be believed and that, uh, you know, we protect white women and that uh, they are put on a pedestal to a great extent. Uh, I'm not saying that they want to be put on a pedestal. I'm just saying that they are and that we protect. Uh, this society uh, goes out of its way to protect white women. Uh, they are not to be uh, uh you know, uh, in any way uh, harmed, especially not by black men. So, uh, but she was able to do that because she knows how the society reacts. Uh, we went through a period um, a few years back when uh, white women were blaming um, when they had a problem. That, uh, uh, I forgot her name, Susan somebody. Anyway, she had her kids in the car with her and she uh, drowned them. And she claimed that you know uh, a black man had had actually done it, and we've seen that over and over again. We had some some cases at SUNY, uh, uh, the university at, at 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 SUNY State University of New York, uh, where one a white uh, student um, didn't want her father to know whatever she was doing, and and she uh, blamed. Uh, a white, uh, a black male for uh, entering her room and raping her or something like that. But, you know, we, <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm not, you know, this, I'm just telling you what I, what I see in terms of reality here. Mm-hmm. Um, that, um, that 
gen- and I'm speaking generally because all I don't think all white people think like like all black people don't think the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, there are those who believe that they are superior to black people, and I think that's a that's a very widespread sense among uh, white people who have an advantage because of their color. We have a disadvantage because of our color, because we are thought to be uh, not equal and sometimes not even human. And that's been the, the case throughout, you know, throughout our history uh, in this country and, and, and in many other countries as well. So we're, you know, we are, um, we are really uh, uh, unable sometimes to get beyond that, see that it can it can change that you can look at me and see a black woman, but that's all, you know, you don't have to make a judgment about what, whether I'm uh, equal to you or unequal to you or whatever. You see a black woman who has a history, who has a culture, and you accept that. Uh, and that's what people are looking for, you know, in, in, in our community, just to be a person <laughs> and to be accepted as a person, not to be thought of as inferior in, in, in all these areas that we've been thought of being inferior. So, um, it's, you know, and sometimes you, you feel hopeless, but there are things that have happened recently that, that give us some hope as well. Uh, I don't know if you're aware that, um, there have been, as a matter of fact, I saw it a little while ago, there are police officers who are now feeling that they have to do something different. They, uh, some of them are taking the knee, uh, uh, you know, what Kaepernick started mm-hmm. uh, to, to kneel. Right. Uh, they are doing it with, they are doing it to show, you know, their empathy. And um, there was a, uh, a segment just on the news where an officer was making a speech. He joined, he joined the march with these people who were marching against uh, uh you know, the person who killed uh, George Floyd mm-hmm. uh, says, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not against you. I'm with you. And and they they said, well, join us. March with us. He said, okay, I will. So those are the kinds of things that, that, that can give hope. But we know that, you know, those are individual uh, kinds of things, which we appreciate. But what has to change is, we have to have a, a, a change that is transformative, that looks at our institutions and say, ah, this is not going to be helpful to all people. You know, um, something's wrong with this policy. Uh, if we looked at, if we had done this with the war on drugs, we could have seen, and I'm talking about racial impact statements, because mm-hmm. that's one of the things we've been asking for. If you're developing a policy, you know, try to in- estimate uh, what kind of impact it will have if it's going to have a negative impact on certain populations. So uh, if we looked at the war on drugs that way, we could have seen very clearly that uh, – there was going to be uh, a differential uh, use of drug laws in, in our society. 
that blacks were going for cocaine, they were going to get a sentence that was, you know, uh, uh, more than uh, 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 25 times or whatever it was. I forgot the exact ratio of uh, the uh, powdered cocaine. Mm-hmm. Crack cocaine, you're going to get a, a much stiffer sentence than if you had the same amount of uh, powdered cocaine, which whites use. We knew that. We knew that the whites were using uh, cocaine, powdered cocaine. We knew that there was a lot of crack in black communities. So if we had looked at it, we could have said, oh, yes, this this is what this law is going to do. It's going to put more and more black people for longer periods of time in our prisons. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about when we talk about, um, you know, racial impact, systemic uh, racism, to look at what we're doing and how it impacts people. So it seems like your advice is very practical, but also very hard to obtain. This idea, oh, yeah. yeah. Said it was easy. <laughs> no. So just starting yeah, at the local level, the idea is to get people to be transparent about their police records, to look at policies and try to ahead of their implementation, understand the way they're going to affect certain communities. That's right. Anticipate impact might be, you know, uh, in this country, you know, uh, which was under uh, blacks under enslavement for, you know, almost 400 years. Nobody believed you would get rid of uh, slavery. And, uh, it was not easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It took a long time, mm-hmm. but you got to start if you want to finish. <laughs> so, you know, people can do small things, you know, they can, uh, you know, commit themselves to uh, trying to understand and put themselves in somebody else's shoes and treating them differently uh, is not always <laughs> uh you know, uh, the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, there are things that each of us could do, you know, uh, I think. And said, hopefully it, it eventually changes. It's not going to change overnight. I know that. not going to change for within my lifetime, that's for sure. Um, but you got to start a push in order to change it. Yeah. Well, you yourself, I mean, how did you become who you are? I'm All these degrees, all this research, what what motivated you? Where did that come from? Well, see, I go back. I, I, I always say that I embody the major forces in this country. First of all was enslavement. My great-grandmother was born enslaved. And that always bothered me. How could a, you have a... Uh, a country, a society that uh, treat people like animals or some other kind of uh, of uh, uh, tool or whatever, uh, you own them, you own their bodies, and you you uh, steal their labor. Uh, that's just wrong, and I I never got over that. You know I. Uh, I had a grandmother who was a sharecropper, and you know, and, and knew. I learned about her life and 
what it was like. Um, and I had a father who was a mother who lived during the civil uh, Jim Crow South, and their experiences. Uh, you know, I so as I said, blacks have a collective memory mm-hmm. of these things handed down about the treatment in different different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, uh, you know, firsthand about uh, uh, the incarceration of a lot of our young people, um, which always bothers me because I can't stand the, the thought of somebody being caged. I can't even think of a, I have problems with animals being caged. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that it's not free. Uh, I'm writing a book now called uh, We Who Believe in Freedom. And uh, so I've, you know, I've sort of devoted my life to dealing with those those ways that we control people and oppress them. Uh, and if prison looks like enslavement to me, and so I, I I'm against prison. <laughs> um, I don't think we need to put people behind bars. I don't think we even need to put animals behind bars. But um, you know, so that's that's my perspective that I come with, uh, and uh, that's what I've you know, just devoted all all of my life to doing something that makes me and other people free.